So, Holy Spirit, help us to understand those words. Help us to apply them to our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good to see all of you here. Merry Christmas. Good to have all of you also watching on the podcast. Uh, Merry Christmas to you guys, too. I told you a couple weeks ago about how uh, I have a hard time always finding the right gift for my wife and how this year she's made it easy for me. All she wants are potholders. And many of you have given me all kinds of advice about what potholders to get her. So thank you. Very helpful. That is community in action, man. It takes a village. So thank you. Well, as bad as I am at finding the right gift, I am even worse at receiving gifts. I actually, it makes me feel awkward to get a gift. And I always worry that I'm not showing enough gratitude because I don't want to seem selfish. And my wife knows this about me, and so she loves to bug me about it. So for instance, if someone gives us a plate of cookies, she'll say, totally joking, but she'll say, next time tell them we like chocolate chip instead. Completely joking, but it bothers me so much, I actually physically cringe every time. I literally physically cringe, and she loves to watch that, so she just keeps at it, right? (laughs) Tell me what chewy instead of crunchy and all this stuff, right? Like, stop, it's just so much fun for her. (laughs) Well, anyway, my mom also knows this about me, and so as a joke, one year for Christmas, she gave me the ugliest jacket ever. It was green and orange checks with brown fur around the collar, and I'm just hoping none of you are wearing a similar jacket today, because if you are, man, you need to burn that thing. That is God's word to you this morning, because that thing had been beat bad by the ugly stick. But I wanted to seem grateful, so I said, oh, thank you, right? And my mom just went with it, and I was single at the time, and she said, yeah, I thought you could wear it on dates. I'm like, that'll help. Keep me single for life, right? Well, this went on for like 20 minutes. Finally, she said, put it on. And I'm thinking, I will when Jesus returns. Armageddon would be a good time to wear this coat, right? Finally, I put it on, reached into the pockets, and found a check for $200. I thought, this jacket just got a whole lot better. But even during that time that, that when my mom was pretending that the jacket was the real gift, I knew deep inside there had to be something else going on other than that jacket. Because I knew that the giver of the gift, my mom, was good. So even if the jacket looked ugly, there had to be something good in it. Because the giver was good. See, she'd actually given me the perfect gift for a pastor. A sermon illustration. In the, thank you for that applause back there. In the story that we read today, Jesus compares prayer to a man who asks a neighbor for some bread. But the neighbor says, no, we're all in bed. Don't bug me. But the man keeps asking until the neighbor finally gives him the bread. Now, the point of this story is not that God is like a grumpy neighbor and we have to just keep bugging him until he gives us what we want. The point is actually the opposite. God is not like the neighbor. Jesus is using a teaching technique of his day that was sort of a backwards analogy. And it went like this. If this thing over here is true, then how much more so this other thing must be true? That's why it says, which one of you, if your child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, no pulling punches there, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In other words, if even sinful neighbors and parents can give good things, how much more will God give good things? 
Now, sometimes preachers say what this passage is about is we have to be persistent in prayer like the neighbor and just keep knocking. That, that ain't it. That's not what this is about. The focus is not on how we pray. It's not on us at all. It's on the character of God, God's character. He is good so we can trust that his gifts are good. Now, if you're like me right now, you might be thinking, well, then how come not everything in my life is good? What about when I ask him for something good and I don't get it? What about those unanswered prayers? Sort of like a story a pastor told me about how his five-year-old daughter always saw him pray right before he got up to preach. So she asked what he, why he did that. And he said, well, I'm asking God to help me preach a good sermon. And she said, well, how come he never answers that? <laughs> well, that's just cold. That's just cold, man. What about unanswered prayer? What about the things that aren't good? Unemployed folks who pray to find a job but can't. People with cancer who pray to be healed but aren't. But part of what Jesus is saying here is don't look at the circumstances. Look at the giver. He is good. So there must be a good gift in those hard circumstances somewhere. Those hard times in life are like that ugly jacket I got. They aren't gifts, but God can put a gift inside those ugly things. God doesn't cause those hard things. God, for instance, doesn't cause folks to get cancer. We live in fallen bodies in a fallen world, neither of which work the way God wants them to or will work when he comes back at the end of history to make all things right. God doesn't cause hard things, but he can use them. It's like the $200 in the jacket. The jacket was ugly. The jacket wasn't the gift, but there was a gift inside the jacket. Inside the hard times, maybe something of value. And it can be a lot of different things. Last week, Candy told us about how when she was going through cancer treatments, there would be these moments of supernatural comfort. She described them like striking a match in a dark room. That is a great image, man. Just sudden hope, right? Something supernatural where you just know God is real in a way you never knew before, which brings comfort but also excitement like there is a God and he just talked to me. Sometimes the gift inside the hard thing is strength in relationships. I've seen this over and over again, especially in terminal illness. Relationships that have been on the rocks for years suddenly begin to get healed. Sometimes it's a clarifying of priorities where the things we spend so much time chasing like success, accolades, money become less important in the hard times and the things we may neglect like close relationships suddenly become more important. Often the gift in hard times is Jesus is just simply the presence of Jesus himself. Jesus says in the text, how much more will your Father in heaven give what? Anything you ask for? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Right? And that's not a consolation prize either. You know, like, oh, bummer, I didn't get what I want, but I got the Holy Spirit. Well, okay. Socks for Christmas. Right? That's not it. All right? That's not it at all. Actually, the presence of Jesus is actually better than anything else when we experience it, any of the other things we may be asking for. And I'll tell you some stories in a minute about how that works. In Matthew's version of this story, Jesus simply says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Doesn't define him. Doesn't say God gives all things that you ask for. Says God gives good things. Maybe not what we ask, maybe not what we want, but a good thing. Because we don't always know what's best for us, do we? I mean, you wouldn't give a five-year-old Aladdin's lamp and say, have any three wishes you want, dear. In fact, if you knew that a five-year-old had a magic lamp, you'd get in a jet plane and get out of the country because that's dangerous. See, we don't go to God as a genie. The image Jesus uses in this text is as a father and a child. And as a father, sometimes he says, yes, absolutely, here, I want you to have that. Other times he says, oh man, I love you, and you can't see it right now, but that thing you're asking for is actually a scorpion, and it's not going to be good for you. So here's the fundamental question. Do you trust 
that the giver is good. And even when the gift seems like a white elephant gift, like you like to re-gift it, don't look at the gift, don't look at the circumstances, look at the giver and know that he is good and therefore there must be a good gift even in the ugliest of jackets, even the hardest of times. Recently heard about a couple who lost a lot of their money through bad investments, career problems, ended up losing their home, had to rent in a different neighborhood. Well, their new neighbor told the wife, I'll call her Pam, about Jubilee Reach, which um, uh, organization we started to help folks in need. Told her about the after-school sports program that helps students learn things like perseverance, teamwork, confidence, all of which is dramatically improving their grades and their relationships. Well, Pam felt nudged by Jesus to help, and since she loved running, she volunteered to help coach the, the, um, the cross-country team in a middle school. And there were about 60 students there, many of them from really just tough homes. Practice usually began with them whining and saying things like, do we, how far do we have to run? And she's like, well, it's cross-country, so you kind of have to run, right? <laughs> kind of the deal. There were all kinds of challenges, like on the day of the first meet, the bus didn't show up to take them to the meet. They had less than an hour to find another bus, so they had 60 middle schoolers all amped up to run and no place to go. That's called a challenge. But Pam prayed about it, managed to find a bus in the nick of time, got him to the meet. And Pam said she had so much joy watching these kids who'd been this ragtag, motley crew run their hearts out. And parents were cheering for them. Some of the kids had never been cheered on by their parents for anything. And when the first ones finished, they went back to help the others who were still running. And Pam said she saw God's hand in absolutely everything, from the neighbor who told her about Jubilee Reach to finding the bus in the nick of time to all the joy in that first meet for everyone, including the parents, who at first were disconnected, but by the end were kind of a community. But for Pam, it was also an assurance that Jesus was with her. They lost their house. They were struggling financially. Those are ugly jacket kinds of things. But Jesus used them, and inside those ugly things was a good gift. Losing her house led to her helping middle schoolers, which gave her all kinds of joy. Plus, she gets to know she's helping people, because that sports program helps kids get better grades, which helps them get out of cycles of poverty. Inside the ugly jacket things of Pam's life was a good gift. So then how do we find the good gifts that God is giving us, especially if they come wrapped in an ugly jacket? How do we find them? Three things. First, do what Jesus says to do in this passage. Ask, seek, and knock. Jesus says everyone who asks receives. He doesn't say what, but we know that it's going to be good because the giver is good. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. New possibilities, new opportunities will open up. So pray this prayer. Jesus, help me see the gift you're trying to give me so I don't miss it. And whatever that gift is going to be, you know what? It's going to be personalized for you. Because a good gift is always personal, isn't it? It's not generic. It's not a gift card, right? Which is fine, but it's not very personal. A good gift is a gift that shows the person really thought about you. It's personal. I heard a man talk about how when he was in his 20s, he was having trouble in his career, broke up with a girlfriend. He was feeling really depressed. And their last name was Ingle. So to cheer him up, his dad gave him a motivational plaque that said the Ingle Creed. Things like, you know, we value loyalty to each other and we overcome obstacles. And this guy found it very moving that his dad would sort of spell out the family values for him in his time of need. And that was very encouraging to him. Well, a few months later, he was on a plane flipping through Sky Mall and saw the exact same plaque with the exact same things written on it in Sky Mall. Dad had just ordered it out of Sky Mall. Still a nice gift, but not quite as personal as he had hoped it would be. God's gift will be personal 
to you. And if there's a particular gift you want, healing for something, restored marriage, ask boldly for that thing in prayer. In the parable, Jesus says the man knocking on the neighbor's door asks boldly. Because God does heal people. God does restore marriages. I've told you dozens of stories about that. But also ask acknowledging that God is God and knows what is good for us. Jesus' prayer the night before he's crucified is a great model. He says, Father, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. In other words, God, here's what I want, but I know that you know better, so you do what the right thing is, but God, here's what I want. That is a great way to pray. And then look for God's answer. Because you know what? Sometimes his answer doesn't come the way we think it's going to be. It doesn't look the way we think it should or expect. Man in our church who I'll call Jim was wondering if he should leave his job to get one more suited to his skills. So he asked some mentors of his to pray for him and tell him if they heard anything from God. Well, one of his mentors said, my faith is very intellectual. God never talks to me. I don't ever hear him speak. And Jim said, well, just pray anyway. Besides, in the Old Testament, God talked through a donkey. He can talk through you too, so just do it. So the mentor prayed and came back a week later and handed Jim a blank piece of paper. And he said, it's blank because that's what I heard. Nothing. Blank. But Jim noticed on the back was a date, and it said June 08. And this was in 2010, so Jim assumed it was recycled paper from June 08. Well, a few weeks later, Jim was let go from his job. And the date he got let go on was June 8th. And he realized that the blank paper had a message for him. That it was from June 2008, but it pointed to another June 08 date, the date he got let go, June 8th. So even when the mentor didn't think he'd heard anything, he'd actually heard something. God spoke, to, God spoke to him in spite of himself. And for Jim, it was hugely comforting. It is a tough thing to get let go from your job. That's a hard thing. But it was also an answer to his prayer, wasn't it? Should I leave my job or not? When you get let go, the answer is yes. <laughs> Clear answer from God, right? And, you know, it, he eventually went to find another job, and some really good things came out of that season of his life, including getting some closer to some of his mentors. More than that, though, he felt that Jesus was with him, in part because of how Jesus spoke through that piece of paper, which seemed like more than a coincidence to him, right? And it comforted him. That sense of Jesus' presence was not a consolation prize. It comforted him, but it also excited him which made Jim think, wow, God is in this. This is not a surprise to him. God is in this. I can trust him. A good thing must be coming. So pray, Jesus, show me the gift you're trying to give me so I don't miss it. Second way to find God's gift and to make it more real, to notice it in our lives, is to say thank you. One of the ways I become a better gift receiver is to just simply say thank you. For instance, pastors. Pastors never know what to say when someone says, good sermon, right? So we try to deflect it or try to sound all holy. Like the pastor who had a man say to him after church, that was a good sermon. The pastor tried to be all humble, so he said, well, you know, the Lord gave it to me. man said, wasn't that good? <laughs> Just say thank you, right? Just say thank you. Because when we do, you know what happens? It helps, it helps us not just blow by that good thing. You know, like on Christmas where you open one present and look at it and then move on to the next present and you just keep doing that so that none of them really sink in. Well, you don't do that, but your relatives do, you know. <laughs> when God gives you a good thing, don't just move on. Say thank you so that you notice it. Sink it deep into your life, which helps us do the third thing, and that is receive it. I told you at the beginning I have a hard time receiving gifts. 
for lots of reasons, I suppose, right? It, it, it just, it makes me feel awkward or, or I don't want to need anyone. I don't want to need anything. I'm good on my own. I'm fine. Or sometimes it's, we can't receive because we're so busy trying to get the thing we want, money, success, accolades, that we miss the thing God's trying to give us because we're so focused over here. In the story, I told you about the woman who lost her job and ended up helping at Jubilee Reach. She wasn't trying so hard to hang on to her past life that she missed the blessing God was trying to give her. But sometimes the reason I have a hard time receiving is I just don't think I'm worthy or it just feels so awkward to me. But in this parable, Jesus says the neighbor asks for bread boldly. The word could be translated without shame. It's the art of living loved. See, Jesus corrects our bad theology of prayer and says we can approach God as a beloved son or daughter, not as an employee asking an employer for a raise or as a friend asking a favor from a friend. We can come to God without shame like a child who knows that they are loved, knows they're not going to be kicked out because they threw a tantrum a couple hours earlier. Live loved. Live loved as though your father wants to give you a good thing because he does. That's what Christmas shows. Christmas is God shouting to the world, look at me, I am good and I give good things. I came myself to be with you, even if it meant being born into poverty and suffering. So receive God's gift. Don't just blow right past it. There was a man in his 20s who worked at our church a couple of years ago until he went on to work in a nonprofit. And while he was here, I became a kind of mentor to him, especially as he went through a, a painful divorce. He had a really difficult relationship with his own father, and I became a kind of substitute father for him. In fact, the way that he usually introduces me is he'll say, this is Scott, he's my stand-in dad, a phrase I'd never heard before until him. And it's a huge compliment, especially since all I really did was just listen to him, hang out with him. It was really easy to do. He's easy to love. Well, two years ago, he stopped by my house one night, and he said, I've got something for you. And it was a brand-new flat-screen TV. And he said, I just want, you've done so much for me, I just want to give this to you. And he'd actually thought about what would be a good personalized gift for me. Because you see, at the time, the TV we had was 25 years old. Terrible TV. It had tubes, not circuits. Remember that? Tubes, <laughs> right? And this guy knew that I loved to watch Seahawks, Mariners, right? But our TV was so old, so lousy, you usually couldn't see the score. And sometimes you could hardly tell the teams apart. I mean, it was supposed to be a color TV, but it was really more of a sepia TV. So he'd really thought this out. Right? But I said, I can't take it. He was in his 20s. He made almost no money. I make more than he does. So I said, look, I can buy my own TV. Thank you so much, but this is too much. And he said, but you won't buy your own TV until that thing dies, and even then you're going to try to have it fixed. Meanwhile, my wife, who loves to rub it in, totally knows how awkward this is for me, loves to rub it in, totally joking, says, oh, 42-inch TV? I was hoping for a 60-inch TV. <laughs> Right? Stop it. You're not helping. And he just kind of joins in with her, right? And then joking with me. And then he just left. I refused to open the box. Next day, I called him and I said, look, you don't have to thank me for being part of your life. It's fun for me. And he said, I'm not trying to thank you. I just want to give it to you. Okay? This went on for several days. Finally, a friend of mine who also knows this young man said, you got to take it. He's been planning this for months. He saved his money. And he was so excited to give it to you because he loves you. And the thought of you watching the Seahawks and the Mariners on this thing, on this TV, it just makes him happy. It is rude what you're doing, Scott. It is rude what you're doing. It's rude not to take it. So 
Finally, I took it saying thank you to this guy like 8 million times. Even still, when he's over at our house, I'll sometimes say thank you, thank you, while my wife just keeps rubbing it in. But like one day he was there and she said, you know, our DVD player is getting kind of old. He just wanted to bless me. And he was right, man, that TV is great. The first time I watched the Mariners game on, on that TV in HD, it was so cool. Way better to see them lose in HD than sepia. <laughs> I was like, I can see the score. Ooh, that's how bad it is, okay. But you know what? There was an even deeper gift that he gave me in all of that. He was really the first person who showed me that at my age and my stage in life, I've got this huge privilege that I can bring. I can give younger people a father's blessing. And in our culture where so many people feel disconnected from their dads, that's a huge privilege that at this stage of my life, I can actually do. And I didn't understand that until he showed it to me. Here's the point. He just wanted to give me a good thing that was personal and would give me joy. And if that's my friend, who's a great guy, but a sinner like you and me, well then how much more how much more does our Heavenly Father want to give us good things? And sometimes the gift isn't hidden at all. It was clear my friend was giving me a gift, right? Sometimes it's not hidden, but sometimes life hands you an ugly jacket, but God will put something good inside of it. Either way, the question is this. Do you trust that the giver is good and gives good things even if they seem hidden at first? So this week, ask Jesus to show you the gift that he's trying to give you so that you don't miss it. And let Christmas prove to you as it was meant to do that the giver is good. For unto us, see, it's personal. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. It's a gift. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, all given to you, all given to me from heaven's all-gracious King. Because the giver is good all the time. All the time, the giver is good. So Jesus, thank you for that. Thank you that you are the good giver, and thank you that this season reminds us of that. Help us in these next two days to see your goodness, to praise you for it, to follow you because of it, and to give our hearts to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.